Here's Middleton. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh! Run. Two on one. Green the finish. Wow, the alley Turned the corner. Inside! He made Yusuf Nurkic a screensaver. Here comes Murray. Alley up to Gordon. Oh, what a play! All right, joined now by Anthony Irwin of Lakers Lounge. Really appreciate you stopping by. He's the host for Lakers Lounge and our correspondent here for the Los Angeles Lakers for the alley-oop. Anthony, the last time we podcasted was right before the quarterfinals of the in-season tournament. It was a high point of the Lakers season. It was... (laughs) (laughs) Can we go back? That would be great. (laughs) It just feels like, man, of of all the... Of all of the check-ins that I've done, this one feels like, man, the, the most amount of time has passed. The The largest portion of six weeks has passed since the last time I spoke to Anthony because, gosh, it, it feels like the Lakers have gone through several different metamorphoses over the course of these last six weeks or so. None of them productive. They keep on changing shit yeah. and none of it is ever like, <laughs> it goes the way that it needs to go. Um, apologies for cussing. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. Oh, but, you're good. But like... I, um, all right. So I'll give you a quick rundown of the, of the previous six weeks then, at least, uh, from my perspective, because it has been a doozy, Ryan, it has been a doozy. They win the in-season tournament and do so I thought in rather convincing fashion. Right. And to me showcased like their ceiling. They, you know, if, if you believed or you wanted to believe in the Lakers, they made the case there for it, right? Suffocating defense, a whole bunch of wings, a whole bunch of size and athleticism, especially right. on the perimeter. And um, and like they they beat their crap out of the Pelicans. They beat them by 40. They uh I thought made Tyrese Halliburton look about as bad as he has basically all year in Agreed. that finals game in, in Vegas. Um, unfortunately though, the Lakers ever since then have looked the way that you would anticipate looking after spending a week in Vegas in the middle of your work year. And, um, so they win that, they win that tournament and, uh, going into it, I had been hearing a bunch that, you know, things in the locker room aren't where they need to be. You know, some guys from last year feel like they should be getting more of uh, more of an opportunity to actually run it back. Um, some guys were not particularly thrilled with their roles. Sure. Um, I I reported, though I think it was somewhat blown out of proportion, but I reported that there was some weird stuff going between, or people in the locker room and in the organization felt like there was a weird thing going on between Darwin as it pertains to to Austin, and they didn't understand why Austin was being used the way that he was. Um, And then, so they win the in-season tournament with some of that kind of brewing in the background. And then the very next game, they go and they lose to the Dallas Mavericks. And in losing to the Mavericks, I thought, reminded everybody why we have questions about them. In the first place, they went with this like really kind of soft identity, um, offense first identity. They stopped playing that kind of defense and, uh, again, it was just the, the roadmap was there to being the really, really good imposing team. And they were like, you know, remember, remember actual maps. And if you had the window yeah. open while you were looking at a map, sometimes it <laughs> flew out the window. It's essentially what the Lakers did on, in their, in their trip back to LA from Vegas was they had this roadmap and there's like, whoa. And, whoa. and, and it was gone. Yeah. And 
so there was already some of that unrest brewing. They go further away from last year's core, and that really pisses off some people in that locker room. And it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse. And finally came to a breaking point where, you know, after a few weeks of me reporting it, you had that report from uh, Shams Karania and Jovan Buha of The Athletic that, like, outlined there are six people here who were pissed. Hey, Ryan, just a heads up. Six guys returned from last year's core that played in that playoff run. Weird coincidence, right? Crazy. <laughs> um, and then, you know, they, they've, they've had some games where they look really good. Last night, they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder, I thought, pretty soundly. Um, so they are capable of looking good, but they keep on messing around with these different identities that don't fit their roster. And I think it's because we're finding out Darvin Ham just isn't particularly good at his job. Yeah, it's always a that's a tough place for a team to be, tough place for a coach to be. It's it's interesting that like he he comes on the job last year, everything kind of works out pretty magically in his favor after some pretty tough spots at the beginning. But it it felt like the team sort of simplified his job a little bit when you trade Russell Westbrook away, you add guys like Rui Hachimura, and Austin Reeves gets moved into a larger role, and you realize okay, well we're gonna play the new guys. But we're also gonna have these these existing guys who like we're gonna we're gonna try to feature Austin Reeves. We're gonna put him next to LeBron and AD. And shocking, lo and behold, that seems to make sense. Uh, last night you mentioned you mentioned the game against the the Thunder. D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Tarian Prince, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. That was the starting lineup that was out there last night. And it had been a while, if if I recall, since that that kind of lineup had been out there where Russell and Reeves were starting together. I know that they had gone through a couple of different versions where you wanted to add some defense like Cam Reddish or Jared Vanderbilt or other players in there. But it just seems like going back to Russell and Reeves makes the most sense for this team. And I I wouldn't be surprised if this sticks for a while. He said after the game that this is going to be the lineup for the foreseeable future. Mm. Problem is he said that about other lineups in the past. So (laughs) It's it's Um, the lineup of the future until it doesn't work in the present. And then like you got to change something. So, or until D'Angelo Russell gets traded, but they, hmm. um, they, so this was the lineup that they started the year with. This was their starters at the very beginning of the year. And if you go back to the beginning of the year, Austin was still pretty like clearly and visibly tired from playing in FIBA over the summer. Sure. And he wasn't alone. Like I know every time I bring that up, that there was, there was some fatigue there. There's some people who like feel like I'm caping for him, but you could look across that roster and just about every player with a couple, you know, I think Halliburton looked good right away this season, but like um, Anthony Edwards showed a little bit of fatigue early this year, obviously Reeves, like there were just guys who, you know, came into this year and with their off season regiments kind of thrown out of whack with all the travel and all the extra play and without the time to focus on training, didn't look right at the beginning of the year. So you had that going on and Austin shot the ball really poorly. And that was um, that hurt that lineup at the beginning of the season. And then also at that time, coming into the year, the Lakers were really hoping that Austin would be a primary ball handler, even while he was standing next to D'Angelo Russell. Problem right. is, D'Lo doesn't like operating like that. He has said that several times over on his podcast, in pressers. Like, if you ask him what the weather is like, he's like, I need the ball in my hands. And... um. And so you had that kind of awkward do-si-do between uh, 
D'Lo and Austin where they were like trying not to step on each other's toes and that hurt the rhythm that 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 group was playing with offensively. Um, Torian Prince started the season not shooting the ball very well. And those that starting group at the beginning of the year was an absolute abject disaster. And they moved away from it. And uh, they wound up benching Austin. And they went through a few other iterations and then arrived back at it last night. And I'd been saying all year that you know, it's kind of weird to just give up on the backcourt. And look, you're a Denver guy, so you watched that Denver get that that backcourt get shredded by Denver in the Western Conference Finals. But it sure. still got you to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, just exactly. Like giving up on that, it's pretty unprecedented, right? The whole reason everybody's angry in in Golden State right now is that Steve Kerr is reluctant to give up on the core that won him championships, plural. And right now we're going, we're seeing like the opposite end of that spectrum with Darwin, where he refuses to give last year's core a shot. The starting group of that playoff run, um, D'Lo, Austin, Vando, LeBron, and AD, they have played four minutes together this season. This season. The whole point of this was to develop and, and build on the continuity from last year, and they have just moved completely away from it. And that's why you get all of the frustration that you have seen so far. That's why you see a lot of the, um, the, the inconsistencies that you have seen. And then you also see just like a lack of give a bleep. And I think it's because this roster doesn't feel like their coach believes in them. I don't think they believe in their head coach. And it's made for, you know, I just recorded with Harrison a second ago and, and the Lakers have played 41 official games. They played 42 because of that dumb in-season tournament thing, but <laughs> they played 41 games this year. And um, I asked Harrison, like, what grade would you give to the Lakers through 41 games officially? And he said around like a C, maybe a D. And I don't know how it isn't an F. You've had LeBron and AD for all but three of these games, and you're still sitting a game below 500. They're in the 10 spot right now. It's it's a mess. You've given yourself zero margin for error um, here in the second half of the season when everybody is going to be sprinting to the finish line. And I just don't think that's the position that the Lakers were hoping to put themselves in. To put some numbers kind of behind that too. Since So we, we had our podcast on December 1st. Since before December 1st, the Lakers had the 19th ranked net rating in the entire NBA. Since December 1st, they are 9 and 12 and have the 19th ranked net rating in the NBA. On the season, they have the 19th ranked net rating in the NBA. They have been a subpar team throughout, and I think it's fair to, to classify it as that because there have been some flashes, but the vast majority of the time, it has been... A, a lot of disappointment and a lot of frustration. And you see it in LeBron and a lot of these post-game pressers. You see it in Darvin Ham and the way that he's being approached and on these things. And uh, I can understand wanting to just go back to what won you a Western Conference semifinals and got you to the conference finals and just trying that because four minutes for that lineup is pretty crazy. Uh, not being able to get to that is pretty wild. I have no idea why it hasn't been tried. Like of all the things you could possibly try, maybe going to Rui Hashimura in the starting lineup might not be the worst idea in the world either. Like I'm not sure why Tarian Prince is, is now handcuffed there when his spacing could actually probably help the bench even a little bit more. Uh, but to your point, like this team is always in trade rumors. They're always surrounded by these things. And a LeBron led team is always going to be aggressive at the trade deadline if things aren't looking good. And things aren't looking good, as I just outlined. Rank these four players from uh, their points and their respective prices 
like how you would how, you, how much you would pay for them in all likelihood. Rank these four players as options you would most want: Zach mm-hmm. Levine, Dejounte Murray, Pascal Siakam, or Malcolm Brogdon. Okay, so if I'm just ranking them sans context, right? Realistic, you know, reality of their ability to bring them in um, not being factored in, it would be uh, Siakam far and away. He's the best player that you listed there. Um, who were the? So you said Levine, Brogdon, and was it Murray? Uh, Dejounte Murray, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so we would go Siakam, Murray, Brogdon, Levine. Um, Levine okay. a distant fourth. Uh, so you have Siakam a bit of a gap, Murray a bit of a gap. Brogdon, a giant gap, and then Levine. Okay. It's interesting to frame it that way because those are four guys that I've seen kind of listed as potential targets and different like different sized contracts you they could potentially get in. And Levine, obviously a clutch guy. Uh that seems like a fit made in heaven for a lot of people on the outside, but it seems like you you don't really think so. Levine is due like the gross domestic domestic <laughs> like, like a small country for the next four years. I'm yeah. good, man. Like yeah. that contract is is just a disaster. And I think it's honestly going to be one of the last of that of that brand where, you know, you've you've paid attention to the NBA for a long time. Um, even before you started covering this stuff. And I can't imagine like you covering the NBA in a casual way. So I think you've always been at least like at least peripherally aware of contracts and what that does to like opportunities for your favorite team. Oh yeah. And you know, for a long time, basically your team's best player got the max contract period, right? Like there was almost no negotiation, whatever the most that a team could pay their best player. That's what that player was going to get. And I think that was the case with the Levine deal. I think that was the case with the Beal deal. There was the case with, you can go on down the line, I think even Damian Lillard, right? And um, I think those days are now behind us because of this new CBA. And I, like, there just isn't a market. You've had Woj say that there isn't a market for Levine. Brian Windhorst said that he sees a zero chance that the Lakers trade for for Levine. Um, And... Uh, I have every time I have brought up Zach Levine, I got yelled off the phone, you know, because like it's just how many times are you gonna ask about this? We aren't interested. And mm. so um, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a mess of a deal. I know you have the clutch thing and you have all of that going on. Same thing goes for for DeJounte Murray. But the thing that with the people who just draw the straight line between clutch and the Lakers. Is you have an, the other half of the, the the Lakers organization. You have a clutch faction, LeBron, AD, and and so on and so forth. And some of the basketball ops people, I think, align themselves with clutch. And then you have like Genie, and you have Rob, and you have Linda, and you have Kurt, and you have that cohort that um, that kind of, for lack of a better term, oppose clutch. And there's this like really dumb turf war that is playing out between those two sides. And in some cases, it makes clutch players less likely to be acquired because Rob, Genie, etc. don't want to cede any power to clutch within the organization. I think, by the way, that's part of why Ham hasn't been fired is because he's very much a stand-in for the, the Rob, Genie, etc. 
um, cabal up at the top of the organization, and they don't want to fire him and risk having somebody come in who who grants a little more power to the clutch side of these things. Um, so yeah, Levine makes sense if you if you if like just on paper, but like if you think about it for any longer than about seventeen seconds or so, you're like. No, I don't. I don't really see it. Um, and honestly, to be honest, with a lot of these guys that you mentioned, maybe outside of Brogdon, the Lakers don't have the assets to get in on Pascal Siakam. The 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 Raptors are expecting multiple first round picks. The Lakers only have one that they can move this year, and that's the 2029 first. Right. Um, Brogdon, I don't think is going to fetch a first, so I think the Lakers will be in on him. Um, and Murray, they are saying the starting price on him is two first rounders right now. The Lakers, again, only have the one and they don't want to move Reeves. So I don't think those conversations are going to go very far. It's fascinating because like, I always go for the big fish with, when talking about the Lakers, because I think you got to start big and kind of work Mm -hmm. your way small, uh, with, with a team like this, where the Lakers have turned around some deals that I think a lot of people would deem impossible, would deem like, how do they get that price? How do they fetch that possible bargain? Like, what is mm-hmm. what is Danny Ainge doing when you're talking about the the Utah side of the uh, of yeah. the trade for for the Los Angeles, the, the Jordan Last Clarkson? Uh, gosh, what is, was it? Clarkson? It was Conley. It was Russell. It was uh, Westbrook, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that deal last year. So I, I I give the Lakers a lot of credit for being able to swing some of these deals. And so that's why I always start high with stuff like this, because you just never know what they can do. Uh, but I do think it's important to note that they, they're going to try to do stuff. They're going to try to shake things up, I think. I, I can't imagine that they go into the deadline and come out of it without having changed at least something, because this is like we talked about. It's LeBron James. It's Anthony Davis. LeBron is a player option for next year. Like Things could go south really quick if they don't act. Yeah, I so Jared Vanderbilt, who is not eligible to be traded this year, gave a quote ahead of yesterday's game. I think it was yesterday morning. He was like, yeah, it was during shoot-around or after shoot-around. And he was saying, like, we don't feel like we need a big trade to make a run. Hmm. And again, he's one of those six guys who were like technically seven if you count Christie, but Christie didn't really play in last year's playoffs. So again, it just kind of comes back to the six core guys from last season. Um, LeBron, AD, Reeves, D'Lo, Rui, and Vanderbilt. Those six guys were told all offseason, come back, let's run it back, let's build on last year. Look at what you guys were able to do last year when you had to fight, scratch, and claw for every moment that you were on the roster together. Imagine what you could be capable of if you like build on that this season, right? And they just haven't given, they haven't been given that kind of an opportunity. And so now heading into trade season, they're looking around and, you know, D'Lo's name has been floated out there basically since um, the Levine stuff started. Uh, it is going to continue. Well, shoot. D'Lo's name started being floated out there as soon as he signed his contract. Um, and the sure. Lakers <laughs> floated his name out there yeah. um, over the summer to see if they could find a, a sign and trade deal. But the, the offers weren't what they wanted and they weren't able to 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 find any kind of a deal back then but still like you you know Austin and Delo have have lended their voices to look at what we can do and they played really well against Utah together Delo scored 39 points against Utah the other night and if AD has le- even an average game the Lakers probably beat one of the hottest teams in the NBA in Utah um in that one and then you have you know the game last night so like that that core six guys are just looking around and they're saying just just bank on us once. Let's see what this looks like. And honestly, it's hard for me to blame them 
You know, um, sure. I know that it ended in a sweep. I know that Denver, it, Denver just is or just was, it is uh, the better team. You know, Jokic is the best player on planet Earth, and the Lakers didn't have an answer for him. Murray went scorched Earth and just didn't miss a, like a contested jumper the whole series. It felt like, and and they they mollywopped the Lakers to the tune of a four game sweep. But even still, like if your alternative is trade D'Lo, trade Rui, trade Reeves, trade you know all of the, the half of your rotation for Dejounte Murray, who has done zero winning basically in Atlanta or frankly for much of his career I just don't know how open to that idea I am and and I'm way less open to that with Levine whose contract is is you know just a, in a, a complete albatross it's completely fair I would like to see the Lakers uh just at least if they're if they're not going to change anything major with the roster at least get back to the group that you that you trusted last year to get you through it uh I don't know why they wouldn't try that again. I think that that seems like maybe that's the final card that Darwin's going to play. I, I don't know, but it is interesting. <laughs> it's interesting to see he's going to wait until like Fox January this whole time. He's just like, ha time ah, to get You yeah. guys didn't understand just what I had up my sleeve. Well, that, except, uh, except they did. They really, really did. So <laughs> we all uh, have. We'll, yeah, yeah we, we will see what happens. But I'm looking forward I, to finding out. Uh, do you have any final predictions or, or for what happens? Yeah, I I do think that it is far more likely that the Lakers make some kind of a tweak deal than a big one. Um, Last week, I recorded with Aaron and reported that they weren't all that interested in moving the 29 pick, um, in large part because if they hold on to it on draft night, they could potentially move three first rounders and bring a legitimate, like, bona fide star on on you know with that opportunity depending the way that the the league goes or whatever sure. um their stance on that has somewhat softened as as they have now had enough conversations i think with people with other teams and teams have all started all right well you're going to have to give up either the 29 pick or reeves and the er, er, and, and the lakers just like adamantly against moving reeves uh you know, even for Dejounte Murray, who I think is a better player, but I think the Lakers really want to hold on to Reeves. Jeannie Buss specifically, I think, really likes the idea of a homegrown talent in Reeves, and she has seen the blowback for for letting Caruso walk. And and yeah. you know, you, there's only so many um, unproven white guys that you find in your in your career, and and you know, for for the Lakers, <laughs> they don't want to they don't want to waste another one. Yeah, it's um, also just a great contract, by the way. Just, just it's an it elite is, contract, yeah. like the Caruso one was. It, it one hundred percent is. Um, I, I, I would also say that, or I would point to Gabe Vincent's deal. Did you? Do we cut out? Are we good? No, we're good. Okay, cool. So, um, Gabe Vincent's deal. He isn't playing. Hasn't basically played all year this year. He has a three-year, thirty million dollar deal. Where, like, if he, you know, coming back next year, that's a two-year, twenty million dollar deal. That's a fine number for him. I think he's a fine player. Um, obviously, the Lakers haven't gotten the return on the investment that they were hoping. But you could turn him and like Cam's money and Jalen Hood Shafino and see if you can get a player in that like fifteen to eighteen million dollar range. Um, and see if you can, and, you know, whatever draft capital that it takes from there and see what you can do to basically add to your rotation without costing you anybody who has legitimately helped you this season. Um, that to me, if I had to make a prediction is, 
is kind of where I where I think the Lakers would look to go first before they make a huge swing and bring in. They aren't bringing in Levine, I'm told, and Murray. I think they're very interested in him, but I think they look to make a tweak first before they go and they swing for the fences on Murray. We will see what happens. He is Anthony Irwin, host of Lakers Lounge and the Los Angeles Lakers correspondent here at the Alley Oop. Anthony, thank you so much for graciously sharing your time today. Really appreciate it. We'll chat again in just about six weeks. All right. Yeah, we'll talk about how mediocre the Lakers are then too. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs>